We're in our second week of James, Faith in Action. Last week, we focused on trials and temptations and persevering uh, with God and empowered by God to live out and to work through those trials with Him and the temptations. Today, we dive into a practical application once again with that discipline of controlling one's tongue. One of the reasons why I love the book of James is that the challenges are clear and direct. James gets all up in your face. Easy to understand. But it doesn't mean that it's easy to apply to daily life. Like this one. Check this scripture out. James 1, 19. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everybody got that? Great. So the next time some bozo cuts you off and almost tears your front bumper off, try to practice that, right? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Try to breathe, my friends. Counting backwards and forwards so your blood pressure can come down. So that you can go peacefully through your morning commute, right? Well, sometimes wrong. It's tough. This stuff is tough. It's tough to practice the very practical items in James' letter. Today, I'm going to talk about our talking. About how our speech can be more honoring to the Lord. We're also going to listen to God. Asking God. To speak to us about our speech. But also the words that have been spoken to us. And I believe that God wants to do a healing today, my friends. And I want to add one point of clarity before we dive in. As we're in the process of discerning our denominational future here at Anderson Hills. It's a big process that we've experienced over the past couple months. We've invited you to ask questions, to share feedback, and you all have done an amazing job doing that. But when people have disagreed, it's always been respectful and thoughtful. John says it says, John Ferguson, our lead pastor, says it says a lot about our character and spiritual maturity here at Anderson Hills. And it's healthy to have disagreements in respectful ways. So today when I talk about speaking and about criticism, I want to be abundantly clear. None is directed toward any feedback that's been given around our discernment process. Not a bit. I'm 100% thankful and appreciative to all the feedback that we have received from people who attend this church. So let's dive in to this message. I don't know about you. But I have tasted a lot of my shoes. Gym shoes, dress shoes, sandals. I've tasted my toes. I've tasted my slippers. I'm a connoisseur of footwear. Why? From putting my foot in my mouth all the time. You see, there's this little red muscle inside of the mouth that can cause a lot of harm. It can cause a lot of drama. It's called the tongue. That is a funky word, isn't it? The tongue. The human tongue accounts for under 1% of our body mass, but it punches way above its weight. 
Because we use our tongue to speak, our words can have huge effects, positive and negative. Our words can be a powerful force for good or ill. Proverbs 18.24 says that the tongue has power of life and death. And hopefully you'll be able to capture that as this sermon progresses. Think about that. Out of your mouth, it has the potential to speak life or death, blessing or cursing. Some marriages have not survived. They've died because of the tongue. Friendships destroyed, maybe because of two sentences. And some of you here today have experienced verbal abuse from other one, from other people, maybe even loved ones, that still reside in you today. Lives torn down with words. Self-worth harmed. The tongue does have power to bring death and life. And James has a lot to say about the tongue. He dedicates almost an entire chapter to the tongue. Let's look at this together. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the light God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. First, James issues a special word of wise counsel to those who aspire to be teachers. He says, not many of you should be teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged by a greater strictness. Why should this be? Well, teachers should be conscious of the weight and potential influence of what they say because their words lie at the heart of a teaching ministry. A leader or a teacher can influence or turn the course of a life. 
As Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is expected. So you might be sitting there thinking, I'm sure glad I'm not that guy preaching up there. He's in big trouble if he screws up. In all seriousness, it's a responsibility that I am thankful to bear. And as I've grown older, I, I feel that, that responsibility in a huge way. And so pastors and bishops and church leaders, when we say yes to this call, we say yes to a higher level of responsibility, especially with what we proclaim from the pulpit. If I'm not preaching and living out God's word, I have no more right to stand up here than anyone else in this room. James' words are applicable far beyond those who are called to teach. He gets into the generalization, gets into everyone who calls themselves Christians, who are believers, that we all use our tongues. If the mastery of the tongue is a sign of maturity, it is so for everyone, for you and for me. So James 3, 1 through 12, has general as well as specific application for us. How we use our tongue provides clear evidence of where we are at spiritually. When I was a child, the family physician asked me to stick out my tongue. And he put that dry, wooden compress on that tongue. Never like that. Never. For some reason, my doctor was able, though, to tell a great deal about my health by looking into my mouth. That's a parable of a spiritual reality, my friends. What comes out of our mouths is, a usually, is, is, is usually an accurate index of the health of our hearts. Jesus said this to the Pharisees. He said in Matthew 12, 34, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good spiritual test of heart health is what comes out of our mouths. The type of wisdom that governs our lives are displayed by the state of our heart. What does your tongue reveal about your heart? Are you increasingly maturing in your speech? Or do you find your tongue restless evil that you cannot control? Redeemed speech and wisdom only come from the work of the Redeemer. If you have a tongue problem, you probably have a heart problem. Winning the, the battle of the tongue goes a long way to winning other battles. But it requires a deep heart change that God wants to do within you, my friend. Jesus taught that it is from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So we cannot think that we can simply change our words and that will be the end of the story. We must change the heart and God desires to do that so that we can control our tongue so here's the spiritual physician James and he engages in a rigorous tongue analysis and James 3 1 through 12 is a pathology laboratory uh, in which analysis and diagnosis take place and do you notice James axiom the mature person is able to bridle the tongue the person who can do this can master the whole body, he says. 
The control of the tongue has many positive aspects upon our lives. It involves the ability to restrain the tongue, sometimes in silence. You ever bit your tongue? I mean, not really bite your tongue, but you bite your lip. You just keep that tongue still in times. That's a way of control. But also for the spoken word and words we type on our keypads and on our smartphones, especially around social media or leaving reviews at restaurants and other businesses. You see, small things can have a big effect. The disproportionate power of the tongue. And James compares our tongue to some other small objects that have a disproportionate effect. And James uses very vivid illustrations to express what the tongue is like and why it must be controlled. The first comparison is a bit in a horse's mouth. The tiny appliance can control the enormous power and energy with that horse. And the horse can be given direction through that tiny bit. And James may have well been familiar with that by seeing these ginormous uh, Roman uh, soldier horses, or maybe he had seen powerful chariot races. And the point, however, is the extraordinary power and influence concentrated in one small object can control a very large mammal. So it is with the tongue. During my childhood, we had a horse named Puff. Puff was an Appaloosa, and she was a wonderful mare. She was so timid, but she was also fast. And I would show a horse, uh, I would show her at horse shows, and especially enjoyed barrel racing with Puff. And those three barrels, I was able to, to gallop and get her going with that bit in her mouth. And I'd corner her around that barrel and then loop her around, and I would be timed. And I loved doing that. I was probably 11, 12 years old when I had done this. And that little appliance in her mouth controlled her entire body. Think about it. Your tongue is one of the controllers of your life. The tongue can take you to places very fast, can it? can take you to a place that is so good. It can elevate you or someone else into a place where they feel like they're worth a million bucks. You can bless them or you can take them into a different direction. James makes it clear the tongue does steer our lives. Next, James compares the tongue to a rudder of a ship. Large ships are driven by waves and wind. However, though the ship is large, it is, it is tossed by those winds, but it has that very small rudder that keeps the guidance and direction by the will of the pilot. The whole rudder, the rudder controls the whole ship. And James now expressively states that the pilot of the ship has control over that large ship with that small rudder. In both of these illustrations, someone has control over the whole thing. I can think back on how words from others changed the course of my life. There are many people who have spoken words of life into me and purpose into me. And those words have power over the direction of my life. Why? Because words enter into our, a person's reality. 
And they turn into action a lot of times. Well, most of the times. The final illustration that James uses is negative. How a single spark can set ablaze a great forest. Destruction. We see this all the time out on the West Coast where someone started a small fire in a dry environment and then we see thousands of acres burn up from that one small little fire. You see, just a few words can be devastating and a destructive thing. Especially when you're a teacher or a leader or a parent or a grandparent or a friend. Unfortunately, I can think back to negative memories of how words were very destructive to my reality. Words spoken to me turned into lies that I believed. Where I deeply needed Holy Spirit healing. And with God's help, break free. And healing of my soul has happened. I needed words of life to counter those words of death. I love the ministry here at Anderson Hills. Think about all of the ministries that we have here. Break free classes, Bible studies, personal ministry through prayer partners, train people to help guide people into healing. Think about our worship, the words that go out in the air into this sanctuary that elevate our lives. That's why we should not miss these opportunities that Anderson Hills provides in order to give you life, in order to fill you with words of hope and encouragement. Our worship, our life groups, our bands are filled with words that heal. That'll make us no longer the same. That'll lift us up into a higher reality of existence. So how do we tame the tongue? James says it's very difficult, but I want to give you some practical application today. The way to tame your tongue, first of all, is to partner with the Holy Spirit. You see, these problems with the tongue can't be solved or transformed by mere willpower. We first have to dedicate our heart, our mind, and our tongue to the Lord daily. You see, we need holistic purity. Pray that God will protect our thoughts from the words that lead to destruction. Offer all of our words of the day ahead of him with praise. Did you notice that, that, that James gets into praising God, using our tongue for good use in praising, as he says, our Lord and our Father. Our first duty as Christians is to worship the Lord who made us, who has saved us, who has redeemed us. And we can praise him in prayer and sing songs to God in gratitude for all that he has given to us to make us what we are. Hebrews 13.5 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, fruit of lips that openly profess his name. You see, praise, my friends, can put to death harmful words, harmful thoughts. Try praising God. And then try saying a negative thing immediately to someone. James says it's impossible. It can't come from the same source. I believe it's impossible. Praise puts to death slander and gossip and fear-based words and cursing. 
And it would be fitting to pray to God at the beginning of the day as maybe antiseptic for the day. Here's my tongue, God. I dedicate it to you. Secondly, pray that God would give you an awareness or consciousness of your words. Someone once said, taste your words before you spit them out. Acknowledge your need for discernment and God's grace to help you remain conscious, conscious of your words. Be intentional. If you're supposed to speak up, do it with boldness and grace. If you're supposed to remain silent, do that with boldness and keep it within yourself with God's help and the Holy Spirit help. Psalm 19:14 says, "Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer." Ask God to build a gate for your mouth. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a strict sensitivity to your words. Intentionally pause sometimes with your response. If someone says something to you, just receive it. Sometimes you just got to say, bless your heart. <laughs> God bless you. Sometimes it requires no response at all. Just a few seconds. Don't be reactionary. Number three, surrender your right to complain and be offended. You know, you and I are not entitled to the act of complaining especially not in front of friends or coworkers or strangers. Maybe a good, good friend or a spouse might do. But no one enjoys really hearing it. And the people that seem to don't have your best interests in mind. If people don't engage you or agree with you when you complain about yourself or others, it's because you're making them feel uncomfortable. Sitting in negative words is suffocating and causes death to the environment, to the atmosphere that you're in. Also, give up being offended. It is possible. A few years ago, my brother Scott and I were in a conversation at the beginning of the year. And Scott said, John, do you know what I'm giving up for the New Year's resolution? And I said, what, brother? He said, being offended. I was like, wow. Wow. You know what? I have never seen him be offended. It's working. Number four, ask for forgiveness for any unloving words or attitudes. Spend time with the Lord, asking God to search you, to eliminate that which doesn't belong. Asking for forgiveness regarding language or words that you have spoken that are offensive. Commit to working on changing the way you speak in order to demonstrate His love and be His edifying word in the world. Think about these words. Please forgive me. Or, I forgive you. Or, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Those are powerful words. Use them. When needed, practice speaking words. Lastly, practice speaking words that will encourage, comfort, edify, and inspire. Ask God to speak words that will honor Him and accomplish His person or His purposes. The goal is to speak life into people. Think about just a simple I love you. You see, especially guys, we have a difficult time saying that. 
Don't withhold that love. Don't withhold that expression. Or God bless you. Or a word you feel led to say to edify someone. Don't withhold that. Speak that word of edification. You'll, you'll, feel, be, you'll feel led by God because God wants to constantly edify. This means you practice Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any wholesome, unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. To encourage means to give support, confidence, and hope. To comfort means to soothe, to console, to bring freedom from pain. To edify means to cultivate, to develop, to build up. And to inspire means to motivate, excite, energize, and breathe into. You know, maybe the reason you've been unable to get your tongue under control is because you made the wrong diagnosis. You thought you had a talking problem, when in reality, you've had a heart problem. I believe the Lord wants to heal you of that today. I believe He wants to do that through the power of His Holy Spirit and the spoken word. So we've been talking about talking, but let's spend some time listening to the Lord now. I'd like for you right now, wherever, wherever you're at, wherever you're sitting, in the pews or up here, to posture yourself, your life, your heart, your mind, your spirit, to receive healing right now. I invite you to maybe close your eyes or, or lift out your hands to receive. We're going to take some time to listen. Lord, we want to hear you now. Many of us have hearts that are hurting because we've been deeply wounded by the words of others. Maybe it was a parent, a sibling, a boss, an ex, our spouse, our children, a friend. For some of us, we can still hear the words echoing in our ears. They even bring tears to our eyes as we remember. Holy Spirit, we need your healing touch. Won't you move right now in our midst? For you are the great physician. Do the healing work that only you can do. Lord, we also ask that you would speak to us and convict us of any speech that isn't honoring to you. Maybe our words look more like the world than like you. Maybe we've used our words to cut, maim, and even kill the spirits of those around us. Maybe we have been the source of discouragement, belittling, or even abuse. We need you, God. We don't feel worthy to ask, but we need your forgiveness. 
We're so thankful that this forgiveness isn't earned or deserved. It's freely given by you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Receive that forgiveness now. Heal us, Holy Spirit. Heal us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.